Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. For our last Olympic show, we're talking to our reporting team on the ground in Japan. Brett Larner and Mika Tokarin are a husband and wife reporting duo who cover running and triathlon and race it themselves. And they've been doing some interesting work in English and in Japanese during these games. So today, they're giving us a perspective on the ground, the scoop on what's going on in Japan, what the crowds and reception in Tokyo are like, and how the triathlon races went down in person. Plus, we talk some about why running is so popular in Japan and what we can learn from making it a spectator sport, and how triathlon has grown over the years there. Now, there were some audio issues, but stick with us. The insight they have is worth it. And first, Laura Sedal and I answer the two big questions coming out of the Olympics. Was Mixed Relay's debut a success? And can Christian Blumenfeld win the Olympics and Kona in the same year? All of that after this break. Power your next adventure with Outside Plus. Our Outside Plus membership gives you access not just to exclusive triathlete content, but to content across all our network brands like Backpacker, Velo News, Outside Magazine, and Trail Runner. With an annual membership, you get two magazine subscriptions, two Velo Press books, a library of resources like yoga journal meditation classes and clean eating meal plans, gear and event discounts, access to Gaia GPS. Dozens of training plans through today's plan software and a free finisher picks package each year, all for just $99. This is the world's best resource for training, nutrition, know how, and how to. Join at triathlete.com backslash outside plus. That's outside P L U S one word.com. All right. We are back with Sid to wrap up the Olympics. Big question, Sid. Mixed Relay debuted. Was it a success? Oh, well, I loved it. But I think (laughs) (laughs) I had like, I think I saw a tweet from one of our swimming commentators who said in one of the mixed team relays in the swimming, they had to hold their breath for like three minutes, 40 seconds because it was so intense. And I was like, try holding your breath for 80 minutes because that mixed team relay was ridiculous. It was yeah, it was a lot better than I was expecting. And uh, I don't, well, I don't really know what I was expecting. I don't know that that was because like I had obviously invested interest on in the British team right. and they were right up there. And, but you had like that break, you know, there was so much that could have happened with, you had the favorites, you had France, you had the USA, you had Great Britain, you had like the, the dark horse teams. And it was like, who had performed well in the individual race, but was that going to be a of benefit or, or not? But I mean, I thought it was brilliant. I think it was great for the sport. I think from what I saw on my social media channels, I had lots of people tweeting, connecting, chatting to me who wouldn't necessarily have watched triathlon or seen triathlon, but said how brilliant it was and how much they enjoyed it and how good this sport was. And it's been the best, best race of the Olympics. So and Britain won the gold medal. And so, Britain yeah. won so well. No. <laughs> of course it was a success. I mean, yeah, I was... A lot of people have been saying this is the this is the format, this is the event that's going to get wider stream, you know, main, mainstream media attention, wider people. And I've been I've been like not skeptical is the right word because I was like, well, like I don't have any control. Like yeah. it's not like it's not like my opinion matters. But I was like, I, I mean, it's really cool. It's really it's a really fun race. But I was just like, it might be too weird. Like people, there's too because I can see what people are searching on our site, and there's definitely way too many people were like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were confused about like what this was. Yeah, I would say though, 
for sure everybody felt like it was it did end up being very 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 exciting and a very good race and i think that was really good yeah but that is almost entirely because vince vincent louis yes. from france made it exciting otherwise yes. it would have just sort of been like okay britain ran away the u.s caught up whatever totally but vincent he, he attacked he rode he, he rode a bike nuts. race he rode <laughs> a bike race and that was and that's what you kind of want in that in that mixed team relay you want someone to you know he took a risk and made it did something that we probably don't normally see in in triathlon because normally they just sort of stick with the packs or if there's someone off the front they wait for the pack because that moves faster and he attacks and that was awesome he was nuts i mean okay so i also kept thinking like obviously vince was like a multi-time world champion super dominant last year and we just like hadn't really seen him in the spring or like at in the individual race it was like basically vince showed back up and he made up 10 seconds in a 300 meter swim like like when Katie Ledecky wins by like many body lengths, that's like three seconds, right? Yeah. Like 10 seconds in a 300 meter swim is insane. And he made that up. And then I was like, oh, okay, now they're going to like work together, him and Morgan. And then Morgan goes to tie his shoe or not tie, but strapped on his shoes. And Vince just like, I'm gone. Literally all of us <laughs> were like yelling at our TV. We're like, no. <laughs> I think, yeah. It, 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 oh, I'm, yeah, baffled. Stop he basically <laughs> like, the smart thing at that point, we were all like, oh, like he's gotten them into a metal p- position. He's going to like just lock down bronze. And he was just like, no, no I'm going for no. gold. Screw all, it. All, <laughs> like- my ch- all my chips are in. Yeah. And I think, look, I think after like that first, the first and second leg, it was sort of like they were, France were quite a long way back. And it was kind of like, oh, is that over now? Is it kind of, it's just going to be these front four countries that were out in front. And, but that's the beauty then of mixed team relay is that you have right. those athletes coming in on the different legs and with different different um uh, strengths and when it does get strung out like that so there are a few individual athletes on their own it's then kind of comes more down to that individual's racing um grit gumption mongrel whatever (laughs) it is that you want to put it in and he yeah he kind of went for it and I think like you then see the effect that that had on Alex Yee like when Alex, like Alex went for, and he's so composed when he runs, he, or he looks so composed and in control when he runs. And if we were listening to the interview afterwards that he did on, on the BBC, and, you know, he said he really went for it on the first lap of the run and was almost kind right. of just holding on to the finish. And you saw him at the finish and he was like sitting down in the shade, <laughs> looked like he was going to vomit. Then he like got up and was walking. He still looked like he was about to pass out. And you kind of realize, wow, I actually that took a lot out of it. And that was, again, was like Vince attacking and not wanting oh, yeah. to let, there's that pressure, you know, you know, like not wanting to let your other team down. I think Johnny Brownlee said it classically. He said, you know, there's a lot of pressure on that. That last position is great because you're the one that comes over the line, but it's also really pressurized because if you're in the lead, you're the one that loses it sort of thing. Right. <laughs> right. Um, which is funny, but harsh. And at the same time, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Johnny actually ran really, I mean, if you actually looked at the splits after too, Johnny actually ran the fastest of the day to yeah. get Britain, that kind of like gap and lead and, and Kevin McDowell in all fairness actually ran the second fastest trying to hang on to Johnny. So it's like a lot of, a lot of dynamics. And, and yeah. from what I've heard on the ground, the crowds were pretty big, like a lot, like pretty, because it was Saturday morning. Yeah. It was like, it's one of the only events that Tokyo residents can see so there were actually a four or five deep yeah. crowds out there. So and, and but apparently you, they have a, a wall like to stop crowds from gathering around all of the venues. They built this like 12 foot high wall. So there was a wall around the transition finish area. So they oh, couldn't wow. see 
like anything around, around the finish. I think, yeah, I yeah. mean, on on the coverage I saw, you saw some crowds out on sections of the bike course and stuff, and it looked, uh, when I say busy, probably wasn't as it would have been for a normal year Olympics, right. but compared to what we're seeing and going through with everything else, it, it looked pretty packed. Um, I hadn't heard about the wall. I, um, going back, I think Johnny Brownlee has had... I think we saw kind of the Johnny Brownlee that we know right. of the athlete he is and how incredible he is. I think it it was so good to see him win the gold in the mixed team relay and even his fifth fifth place, I think, wasn't it, in the individual mm-hmm. was, I don't think anyone would have said he was going to get fifth in the, yeah. like, leading into it. And it just shows what an incredible athlete he is. And I think he's always kind of been in the shadow of Alistair um, regardless of what people think. And like people have always thought, well, he only races well when Alistair's there and they kind of work as a team. But Mm. I was super impressed with his whole Olympic racing series um, and super chuffed that he, he managed to get that, get that gold and, and for Jess Limith as well. But yeah, it's, um, I, I think I think the mixed team relay is a great addition to triathlon in the Olympics, but I still want to see the individual at the full standard Olympic distance. I don't want to see it going to a sprint. No, no, That's I think that my, would be weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other question, obviously, is uh, I don't know if you saw the swimming mixed team relay, where like the <gasps> men was... and the women were on different legs, yes, and it was yes. confi- and it was like, what is happening right now? This is very weird. So, you know, there's obviously so a lot of discussion. Could you should they mix it up? I think there is a very good point that you just rotate also every other year or whatever, so that the women get to finish some like years. That. Yes, I saw that. I like right, that. which would be nice. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if they should go to total chaos. Like that might be too much. <laughs> yeah. So they so the swim. Obviously, I did see the mixed team swimming because again, Great Britain got a gold in that that one. Um, and they on the track they had a four by four mixed um yes mixed relay and that you could alter you didn't have to be in a specific order of men you and didn't women. but in the final did, everyone went with the yeah, same it yeah it did kind yeah. of but whereas the swimming was completely different you had like it was chaos yeah it was total chaos. chaos but it was brilliant and i loved it um <laughs> could you do that in triathlon yeah again i'm not sure it is different with the different the three different elements and then mixing up the differences right. um Certainly be interesting to try. I do like the thought of alternating up the who goes first, who goes second, if you kept it all the yeah. men at the same time and all the women at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of having woman, man, woman, man, yeah. go man, woman, yeah. man, woman yeah. next time around. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, it was a, but I think overall it was a good, it was a good race. Good, good uh, intro. I didn't get to sleep till like 4am <laughs> that night. So for me in Spain, it started at half midnight. So I should have had a nap. I didn't. I stayed up because I was too nervous and excited. And then like after it's finished and then the interviews and then you're just buzzing. And I was like, I'm not sleeping for weeks now. (laughs) I I don't sleep anymore. It's fine. (laughs) All right. But here's the other big crazy news from the, or I don't know, I guess this wasn't news. Apparently some people knew, but I didn't realize this. (laughs) Christian Blumenfeld won the men's race right didn't do the relay so you know he's rested so instead yeah. he's going to do i uh, you have the dates here but yeah so he's doing iron man frankfurt, frankfurt on in the two fi- weeks on the 15th of august yeah so that will be what three weeks total from 
Right. His Olympic gold medal. But like you said, didn't do right. the relay, rested, all that. Totally TT, yeah. Did two and a half hour cruisy run on his TT bike, all good. So he's going to do Iron Frankfurt in two weeks to qualify for Kona. Then yeah. a week later, he's going to do the grand final, the wor- like the world triathlon grand final. To in Canada. Try and win that. In Canada. So let, let, let's just go Tokyo to Germany for the Ironman Frankfurt. A week later, fly to Canada, where I think he has to do three days in quarantine on arrival before the World Triathlon Series Grand Final, whatever. It's the the World Championships. They just like have a different name for it. Yeah. Yeah. Then he's going to do maybe the Collins Cup a week later. Yeah. Back in in Slovakia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Then he could. Then he could do. 70.3 70.3 worlds two weeks later. I don't know if he has that planned. He's waiting to see how he feels. Yeah. In St. George, Utah. Yep. And then he's going to do Kona three weeks after that. Yeah, to win it. Yep. To win it, right. That's yep. his goal. And somehow he's also going to do Super League missed in there, but I think that might be... I think that one might be pushing it a little bit, but um... <laughs> <laughs> who knows? That's all right. But yes, I think that's... that. That's And look, who knows... Will he do the Collins Cup? I think he's his Olympic gold, and I think the time he you know he's got the fastest seventy point three time, hasn't he? Which he did in Bar, yeah, in with Bahrain, the, from Dubai, Bahrain, yeah. Um, so that would put him as a potential captain's pick for the Collins Cup team. Whether off the back of everything else he's doing, he would accept that or do that, who knows? Um, and I don't know about whether he has confirmed 70.3 worlds, but I know that, yeah, Kona is to win the Olympics and right. Kona in the same year is the plan. Oh, and also the world championships. That he has said oh, is his plan is to yeah. try and win the Olympics, the world championships, and then Kona yeah. all in the same year hasn't yeah. been done. Yeah. Which was what Alistair Brownlee at one point was like looking to do before, obviously, you know, a couple of years ago before in 2019, he was sort of thinking yes. about... Trying to, I think he'd already got his Kona slot at that point, but he hadn't got his Olympic qualification. And then obviously everything got pushed back. So it's been thought about. Um, it's been thought about. And I think, yeah. I mean, obviously, Alistair's, I mean, obviously, Jan eventually won all of them, right? Like, and but to do it in the same year yeah, is, is tough. Yeah. And yeah. it usually takes like a little while, like a, a couple Ironmans to. Well, this is, you look at the Ironman Kona statistics and I don't think there's only very few like a Chrissy and I think there's a one male athlete who've won on debut. I think most right. of the rest have won having come second or something. Um, yes, Jan has won the Olympics and won Kona, but not in the same year. Um, Makili Jones has medaled at both, but again, not in the same year. She was second in uh, Sydney 2000 and then won Hawaii in 2006, I think, and was second prior to that, again, in 2005. So that was a second. I think Joanna Joanna Zeiger is the only person to have done them both in the same year. They were like five weeks apart back in 2004, and she got like fifth and somewhere top 10, you know, four, something like that. Um, And they were five or six weeks apart, Olympics, Tacona. But, yeah, different – She's so she's the only one I know. I'm like pretty sure she's the only one who's done both in the same year. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, and and look, and then isn't then after that it's the sub sub seven project as well. Oh yeah, right. And then, the and then Christian's going to do the sub seven in yeah. January or February yeah. or whatever. So maybe <laughs> so. maybe actually like winning Kona is like the doing Ironman Frankfurt and winning Kona is a couple of training runs ready for to get him. Right. Just, oh, this is what a full distance is about. And 
Look, I, I guess I was like, wait, to be clear, he hasn't like done a full Iron Man yet that we're aware of, right? I don't think so. Okay. No. Uh no, not not no, he's done the 70.3s and like he's done mm-hmm. yeah, he won was it Bahrain or Dubai? And he was fourth in Nice at the 70.3 mm-hmm. champs. But as far as I'm aware, I don't think he's done a full. Um but you know, kind of it's one of those if anyone's gonna do it, you know, why not? You know, I, I think it's great that he's got these the goals and the target and that's what's driving he's just won the olympic medal he can do what the hell he wants kind of thing um i mean just to see it follow and heck if he does it flipping hats off to him um i think quite a few people will have something to say in kona about him being oh, there sure and gonna make will, it yeah. pretty hard i think jan might might be in there like making it trying to show these uh short course athletes what's what um but yeah, let's see. Well, let's see how he goes in at Frankfurt first. I also think he's the only athlete who would even try it because yeah. he's crazy. His, he's like notoriously trains hard. The other thing, and I think this is just a side note here. I'm pretty sure Lionel's trying to lock down his qualification at Ironman Frankfurt as well. So there's only so many spots to go around at I Ironman was, Frankfurt. I was just quickly trying to Google actually the start list and how many uh, slots there were and who's up there already. I believe there's two right now, but they might be adding. But as races get canceled, obviously they add spots. So yeah, it is a weird. We are trying to finish up our Kona issue also like in the next two, three weeks. And it's a little it's a weird year because you're not totally sure who's going to be there yet because it's a weird year. So <laughs> we should. um, Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Obviously, once you have a gold medal, it uh. I don't know if change, but you can do whatever you want, basically. Yeah. You can pretty much do whatever you want. And on that, and Flora, we know, has a lot of options as well. Um, we know she's qualified for 70.3 Worlds. And we don't know yet if she's going to do it or not, because obviously I think it kind of depends on, again, you have a lot of options. <laughs> yeah. The world but is your when you win the world is your oyster. But if she did 70.3 worlds on that course and that hill, I would love to see Daniela, Lucy, Holly, Flora all like going at it. I think that would be a totally insane race. Oh, I think it would be brilliant. Like, I think we got, you know, when it was the North American champs earlier this year and then just seeing like with the, such a disruption of racing, but now like Flora just having won that gold, but we all know she's so strong anyway. And yes, she's only the 170.3, but like you said, on that course, I think that's like suits her down to the ground and mix it up with Lucy off the front in the swim, Daniela in there, Holly in there. Like, and then again, you just don't know who else can show up on the day. Um, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty cool. Or, you know, or they get a lot of money to go do Super League and we, and everyone shows up at Super League and, that's, and, that's, and that's, yeah, instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so, so Frankfurt, I don't realize it's only a male race. Um, right. And it's, there's only, so I think there's only, there'll be a couple of spots or whatever, won't there? Uh, three Kona spots. Um, and there looks like there's one, two, three, four already qualified men. And it's 56 men on the start list. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of. Yeah. Every so, race is super ridiculous these days. So people like um, Patrick Nielsen, David McNamee, right. Breck McMahon, David Please, Lionel Sanders, Maurice Clavette. Yeah, there's a load of guys. Carl Buckingham. Yeah, on there. Who all want their spot. Yeah. 
Every race is ridiculous these days for the pros because there's not that many races. Everyone's trying to get their Kona spot. Everyone's trying to get their Collins Cup spot. Boulder 70.3 next weekend. The list is like 80 something people. Like it's ridiculous because it's the only kind of North American 70.3 before Collins Cup cut off. So all these people are showing up. And those that it is what it is. and those that haven't been able to race yet through having right. children and stuff, it's their last chance to get a race in to yeah to qualify themselves. And it's just a crazy year. Like just watching the, I mean, we were saying beforehand, like watching the Olympics, it just seems there's just some crazy shit going on. <laughs> like there's a lot of crazy shit going on, and the Collins Cup adds a weird factor because for some people, obviously, they need like they they need to qualify to make money and they like, yeah. that's their big goal. When they, uh, I saw the Collins, the PTO Collins cup post, like about after Flora Duffy won her gold medal, they were like, way to throw your hat in the ring for Collins cup. And I was like, guys, I don't think that was her like main goal here. I think she wanted to win the gold medal. I think that's not even <laughs> on her radar. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's interesting. Well, it's a lot of, like they're having to change. They're having to bring new captains in for the Collins cup because obviously some people still can't travel. There, right. We're having more travel restrictions put back in in Europe again at the moment, so we don't really know what's going on there. Um, obviously, there's travel issues at the moment again emerging from like between America and Australia, and whether people who come over from Australia, like for seventy point three worlds, are they going to be able to get back home because flights are being stopped and all that? So there is still so much uncertainty going on. And plus, it's then for the Collins Cup. I'm like, is it going to be a genuine captain's choice, or is it going to be? Um, who, which characters do they want to entertain people the most? Have I dare said that? Maybe we edit that bit out. No, I mean, <laughs> I want to be, I want to be entertained. Like, if I'm going to watch it, I want to be entertained. I mean, there's also, but the travel restrictions are also going to affect. I mean, I was yeah. talking to somebody in Hawaii on Friday, and they're worried. They're very worried that Hawaii is going to go back to implementing like a pretty strict lockdown because obviously the island had pretty strict quarantine standards for a very long time, mm. and if it. And it's already hard. Like Kona already is going to be mostly American this year because of races in Europe being canceled because Australia like can't a lot, even though there are races in Australia, like they can't get to the U S so a lot of them aren't taking their spots. So most of the spots are coming from the U S this year. So it's already going to be like that. And now if you have even, if it, if it, because of the Delta variant, because numbers are going up because of all of this, at least in the U S numbers are going up. Um, if they do then make, Hawaii restrictions even tighter. Like I, there is concern. I'm not yeah. saying anything's going to happen right now, but I was talking to a race director in Hawaii on Friday and it is going to be a weird year. We're not yeah. sure yet. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> so, so we will all wait and see what happens. We will, we will be paying attention. Well, hopefully we get to see some more fun races. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got what a few more days left of uh, the Olympics to get my Mm -hmm. adrenaline still. We've got track and field and track cycling and then various other team sports that are going on in Spain that I'm not following um, or don't understand. Um, And then, yeah, well, then it'll be Ironman Frankfurt and pretty much then the Collins Cup and see what happens after that. Oh, and the Paralympics. I will say everyone has to watch the Paralympics. The Paralympics start. We will start our Paralympic coverage in like two weeks yeah. uh, have Paralympic month I try and get all the athletes on the podcast yes and yeah it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be crazy it is it's still good love sport love the Olympics love the Paralympics it's gonna be great <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for chatting with us Sid and we will see you uh, again next week thanks Kelly
All right, this week we're joined by the husband-wife duo of Brett Larner and Mika Tokirin, I said that right, who are doing, I mean, so many stories for us right now during the Olympics. I know you both reporting on triathlon and running. How many stories have you already done and do you have to do during this two and a half week period? Uh, I think we're working on our uh, our eighth story right now. Um, uh, between triathlete and a couple of other pu- uh, publications. And uh, we're also doing some, oh no, sorry, that's that's eight uh, English language story. We're doing some in the Japanese media as well. And uh, I've been doing some interpreting for uh, for Japanese journalists who are uh, interviewing foreign journalists as well. So altogether, you know, probably a dozen or so stories. Seems like a lot. And I know uh, Mika, I was asking her, right now you've been working together to write stuff, but usually you don't do that, right? You, you don't work... Because she's writing right now in Japanese, you're translating English, you're writing English, she's translating Japanese. Yeah. But usually yeah. you write your own separate things. Yeah, that's that would be correct. Um, we uh, we both have our own you know careers um, as, as writers, but uh, we do work in tandem that way. We're both bilingual, but uh, you know usually it's better to have the native speaker of the language uh, kind of doing the final product. So when we're working together. And the the target is to have it in English. Then you know I'll do the translation and the, kind of the final version. And when it's the other way around, so then going into the Japanese media, Miku would do the final um, the translation or the final uh, version of it uh, in Japanese. We usually find that comes that uh, produces something a little bit better. Yeah, it makes sense. It seems reasonable. Yeah, we um, we have done something like English to Japanese translation work um, a couple of times, and but. Um, I think this is the first time for us to do, I write in Japanese for the primal article, then he translate and edit and translate into the English. So this is a great opportunity. And uh, also we found it really fun to do it. Was it like fun or kind of stressful to work together? Because it'd probably also be stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, me too me too rather than stress you're okay a little bit but <laughs> we both, we're, we're both doing things that we're interested in with this so um you know it, that cuts down the stress quite a bit and i know obviously brett you do a lot of running mostly japan running news mm-hmm. but then mika you've been doing more and more triathlon reporting and kind of work for the triathlon magazine there is there one that you guys like more is this like a battle at home about like which sport's better, or do you guys both both follow both? <laughs> Mika, you want to take that one? Well, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, um, I don't know, but it it, it happens to the triathlete. But uh, you swimmer really sometimes swimmers uh, bad mouths about triathlon swimmers swimming form, and uh, cyclists uh, really say that triathlon cyclists are not the real cyclists or, you know, the, the same thing happens to the running thing, like a running form and uh, running time. And uh, especially um, Brett has a, um, like a question about the, the finishing style of a triathlon. They just stop and walk <laughs> at the end and uh, hold the, you know, the final tape. But he thinks that it's a, wasting time and he thinks that they have to go run through the, the finish line to cut the seconds. I guess that's just you know my running background <laughs> kind is, of, my um, the inclination is to uh is to see like finish hard all the way to the tape. So it was that was a bit of a surprise um when it when I first started watching triathlons. 
Uh, but yeah, that they like high five all the way down the finish. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's kind of the culture, I guess. I mean, you see that in mountain ultras and things like that as well. So um, it's that. Um, you know, as far as as which we're interested in, uh, we both uh, we both run ourselves, and uh, you know, Mika's kind of uh, graduated to actually doing triathlons herself. I'm just a runner. Um, so in terms of kind of like the base interest, uh, we're we're in slightly different areas, but there's overlap. You know, I mean, like Mika still runs, and she's into that. Um, when she does triathlons, I usually go, you know, support the longer ones and uh, just to uh, to cheer for the shorter ones. So I'd say we're both interested in both, but you know, Mika's heavier on the triathlon end of the spectrum and I'm more on the running end of the spectrum. Yeah. So obviously we wanted to uh, ask you a bunch about the Olympics and everything. And I, so you guys mm. were covering and went out to the triathlons for us and now you're at track and field, right? And so I want to hear all about track, but for triathlon, I mean, you guys were telling us that for Tokyo residents, it's really the only race they can actually see, right? Is that, is that right? And there were a lot more spectators that came out for the mixed relay Saturday morning, Friday here in the U S right. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, some people could see some part of a cycling event within Tokyo. <laughs> but other than that, I don't think anything else is that Tokyo within Tokyo people can see in live. And uh, since it was Saturday, the relay event, we saw a lot of people, um, a lot of people on the way to, to go to the venue in the train. And uh, actually, train was packed. And uh, yeah, the station was packed. But um, since everybody was wearing masks and nobody really talks in the, um, the public transport, I didn't really feel uncomfortable about that. It's, it's very loose. It's a really Japanese way. We are under the uh, state of emergency, which is a, which has to be the most strict um, thing from government order from government. But at the same time, they don't have any legal um, the um, the way to stop people going out. So um, people, especially under this. Olympic people feel that this is a once in a lifetime, so we have to go out okay with a very very cautious way. That's a kind of normal the pub the general consensus. Yeah, that's all, all throughout the pandemic uh, when Tokyo has had states of emergency declared in other parts of Japan as well. Um, uh, the the basic uh, form that that's taken uh, just because as Mika said they don't have a legal framework for putting in a hard lockdown or hard rules or anything under under Japanese law and the basic form that's taken has been um, you know asking people to cooperate with you know the ideas of uh, not going places where there's a high density of people um, not uh, you know not talking in close quarters with other people. Um, you know, trying to stay in open air, those kinds of things. And then um, asking uh, the government, asking restaurants and bars to close by a certain time. Uh, I think currently it's eight o'clock and to not serve alcohol. And uh, that's like been the extent of what we've uh, been under. And um, I, I would say like up until the current state of emergency that's coinciding with the Olympics, um, it did have an effect that uh, you could look at when they declared the state of emergency, you know, uh, a period of time later, the numbers would go back down. And then when we relax the state of emergency, the numbers would start to go back up. Um, it seems like right now with the, with the state of emergency that's coinciding with the Olympics, uh, the numbers are not really coming down. And uh, I, I 
saw in the news that uh, people by and large seem to be ignoring um, the the calls to stay home. Uh, you know, with the Olympics going on, people are going out more, and that uh, that's resulting in uh, kind of a looser attitude toward uh, the state of uh, state of emergency than what we've seen in the past. But um, yeah, but people, you know, by and large, as Mika said, you know, on the train or in public, everybody wears masks. That's just normal. Um, and people are generally quiet on trains anyways. Uh, they don't, it's kind of impolite to talk out loud when you're on a, when you're on a public train or on the bus or whatever. So people are, are kind of by nature quiet. So, uh, it's conducive to, you know, moderately safer conditions, I guess. Um, but yeah, going back to the original question about, uh, the, the triathlons, um, we we did go down uh, to the the men's triathlon and the women's triathlon, which were um, start time six thirty a.m. J- uh, Japanese time on the Monday morning and Tuesday morning. And uh, as you know, that was rain during the women's race. But uh, even so, there were a lot more people down there than we expected. You know, like several thousand people. I don't have an actual crowd count, but uh, definitely looked like several thousand people out there uh, at that time in the morning. And um, because I'm credentialed for track and field for the Olympic Stadium, uh, once I activated my credential, I'm not allowed to use public transit. So I couldn't go down to the uh, to the mixed relay and I watched it on TV. And I was really surprised by how big the crowds looked. I mean, it, it was on a Saturday morning as, uh, a little bit later than what we'd seen for the, the men's and women's tries. And uh, Mika told me when she got back um that uh it seemed that because the course was a tighter configuration you know shorter distance um uh, people were probably more compressed into a smaller area but i'm i'm sure you saw the footage too you know that uh, it it looked like crowds were you know 2 3 4 deep in a lot of places and definitely like uh over a larger portion of the course than what we saw with the individual tries so um to some degree you know, it was uh, people maybe a little bit more compressed but i think also um you know people really wanted to see an event and that being on a weekend made it, uh, made it more feasible for more people to come down than had for the individual tries. And, uh, so, yeah. Do you think people overall, I mean, you're saying like they wanted to see an event, obviously, and this was their, their mm-hmm. chance is there, and that they're being a little looser, even though it's a state of emergency, is there, what is the, the vibe, the sense on the ground of Tokyo residents is this, because we were hearing a lot beforehand about protests mm-hmm. and, you know, a desire not to have the Olympics. And now I feel like we're really not hearing that. Has the mood really shifted or is there still some concern? Mm. Um, I'm, I'm sure uh, there are people who are still feeling against the, the Olympics. But uh, I actually talked to some people yesterday about the, how you feel about it for actually another article. And uh, people have a mixed feeling. But uh, since we are there, it's, it's happening. Why not? try enjoy and mm. try try and have it at most because it's here um, and what is happening might be wrong and uh, they are not confident about uh, fully support the the olympics but at the same time it's here happening let's go enjoy it's it's really mixed feeling right i could see that yeah, I think the biggest um, the biggest protest rally that I've seen um, through everything, you know, most of the protest rallies that were reported in the in the international media in the lead up to Tokyo were actually very small, you know, like 10, 20 people. Um, uh, and the the only one that I've seen any coverage of that was actually sizable, that I would like describe as sizable, was during the opening ceremonies. Uh, there was a, a, a big march in Tokyo and then a, a lot of people gathered outside the stadium protesting it. 
But uh, since then, like there's been zero coverage of, that I've seen of uh, any protests. Um, we didn't see any protest, any protesters um, at the uh, at either the triathlons. Um, I don't think Mika saw one at the mixed relay. Um, I haven't seen anything around the Olympic Stadium when I've been down there. You know, I've been down three or four times now. Um, and uh, yeah, so so what opposition there is or was uh, has, has definitely receded, and um, I think. If uh, if you could say it that way, um, I think the medal count has maybe helped that way a little bit. Uh, you know, up through up through day six of the Olympics, uh, Japan's been ranked number one in gold medal count. Um, I think uh, China has surpassed it. I'm not sure if the U.S. has surpassed it at this point. I haven't looked today, but um, the uh, you know Japan, the home country, leading in the in the global medal tally uh, would certainly help to uh, to boost enthusiasm uh, for for people uh, watching at home. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the U.S. is right. I don't think this has been our our stellar Olympics. So. Well, track and field has just started, so don't worry. Right. I'm sure I'm sure you'll hold enough number one. Yeah. We had a lot of gold medal because of judo. Oh yeah, okay. And skateboarding. What yeah. are the really big sports in Japan that people like have to watch on TV that make primetime news coverage? Marathon. Uh, Marathon. Okay. Marathon. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. And uh, four by one hundred uh, men's four by one hundred. Um, they have uh, mm. you know the the four by one hundred team. There's a, there's very heavy expectations of them because they've been winning medals at the last few world champs and the last few Olympics, and there's mm. a lot of hope they're going to get gold. So there's that's one that the whole country is looking forward to. Marathons are always big here. Um, other sports, yeah, judo, soccer, soccer for sure, judo, swimming. Uh, yeah. Okay, interesting, yeah. and. Uh, you you said when you went down to mixed relay, it was big crowds. It was on primetime or not, but regular TV. Did you obviously this was the debut event? Did you feel like it was a success? Like at home, we all thought it was super exciting watching on TV. But I'm just curious on the ground if it felt like this was a successful debut triathlon. I mean, a relay event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, s- still there must be a lot of people. Uh, watched the triathlon mixed relay for the first time on TV, and it looked awesome. It's so interesting and uh, so exciting compared to other endurance, rather endurance um, <laughs> event. So I think it's a success. Of course, um, it would have been better if we could see in live in the like a handoff area or swim area, but um, that's. Uh, but it is so, yeah. Okay, because like on the ground, you couldn't tell what was happening. Is what you're saying? Sorry, Mika. You're saying like so on the ground, you couldn't see the handoffs or like know exactly what no, was happening. No, uh, we could only see the if there's a huge um, the white wall, like a four meter tall wall, uh, was in. So we could only see the the, the athletes are coming out of a transition area so uh, there's zero view for the water area or transition area hmm. um, i was going to say watching it uh from home on tv um uh, yeah it, it uh it was very exciting to watch you know the pace was uh, was so much faster um than, uh, than what we see the action was uh, was very sharp and i was really taken with uh, the when when it was over and they cut back to the main studio in Japan, uh, the kind of the general sports announcers, not that the, the crew that have been covering the triathlon itself, but the general announcers uh, were talking about how much they'd enjoyed it. 
you know, how exciting it was. And uh, one of the one of the, the premier sports journalists said, you know, when I think of triathlon, I just think of Ironman and you're going on and on and on for hours. And like, I couldn't believe how exciting this was to watch. So I think that was, uh, it, it was, it was a, a great, uh, potentially like a great step forward for the popularity of the sport, you know, here and elsewhere. Um, I think uh, right, in particular, right. the, uh, the run down to, from the handoff to, uh, and the diving start to the swim looked super cool. I think, uh, that I, I can just imagine, you know, kids everywhere watching that and being like, oh yeah, I want to do that. That was so fun. I want to try that. <laughs> Okay, I can see that. What and and in terms of the building the popularity of the sport in Japan, I did want to talk to you because Mika, I mean, you you wrote and then Brett helped translate a story kind of about the history of triathlon in Japan for us last year. And it's to me, it's interesting because you guys actually have had what your the first Ironman in Japan was like 1985. It's it's been around for a pretty long time, but it's kind of ebbed and flowed over the years, right? Do you feel right now like? Triathlon Japan's pretty strong and growing, or kind of where are we at in that ebb and flow? Yeah, um, right now, triathlon isn't going to reach the plateau, and the population is also reached the plateau. Um, and I'm not sure how many, how much younger people are interested in it at this moment. For the lifestyle sports, for um, the middle aged people, it's still very attractive and challenging. In a way, good in good meaning, it's a challenging, good challenging sport. But um, popularity-wise, um, I am not. I am not very positive feeling about that. Um, the one reason is um, we still need. We don't. We still not have a the real triathlon star, both in a like a short field or okay. in a longer field, and that is the if we have a one or two good um, athlete like a medal contender, then the situation will change. Got it. So you feel like it's like almost driven by by having a star, or having a super good pro, or having somebody at the top. Yeah, that that's the, okay. the what we need, but that we don't have it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was just saying, I thought you were saying that it's pretty like club driven, and that there's a lot of teams and clubs for age groupers, and and a lot of people join kind of clubs. Yes, yes, it's um, people um, who want to do active. The active people want to join mm-hmm. and have friends community feeling in triathlon and uh, it is very tight com- triathlon community in Japan that, which is uh, which is true yes what are the most popular races in there is it short course olympic is it ironman i know there are like unique distances there too right there's like races yeah. that only happen in japan mm-hmm. and are like special distances what's the I most popular the most- most popular one is the one in the strongman in Miyakojima, which is a third tropical island, southern island in Japan, and it's been like a thirty-five, like thirty-five years, and it, it's unique distance. It's a little bit more than seventy point three, and a little bit less than Ironman, and it's just a beautiful event and the local vibe and. People love it, and it's really hard to get in. And also, there's another one in a, okay. the island. <laughs> this is Saddle Triathlon. And two years ago, Mark Allen came to be invited to see this um, event, 
by um, Japanese Triathlon Union. And uh, he was really amazed how beautiful the, the course is. So those um, nice island um, events, long distance islands events, it's very, very popular here. Okay. But it doesn't, you guys don't have an Ironman right now, right? We don't, we don't. Um, we lost it how many years ago? Like a five, six years ago. Um, we try and we lose try lose um a couple of times the one one of the reason is that uh, cost um it's just hmm. too expensive to hold an ironman um for mostly i heard that it's more about the security cost and also the i think um the brand cost i guess and uh, right. we don't i don't hear um next Ironman, you know, the plan in Japan yet. I think the Sato, Mika, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Sato tri- Triathlon and the Sato Gashima Triathlon um, that you were mentioning is, like, very close to Ironman in length, with the, just with a longer bike, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like a 10-kilometer longer bike, and other part is just yeah. about, about the same, yeah. Yeah, and just the reason for that is the bike goes around the perimeter of the island, so it's just a natural distance. So it's it's that's a very popular event. That's Ironman ish without actually mm-hmm. being, uh, you know, exactly Ironman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but when you so it's kind of like it developed its own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's its own yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. That was actually where we went for our honeymoon. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Mika did it not went long for support and then we stuck around for a few days. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful island. It's a great course. Yeah. Running has a pretty long history in Japan though, and I know like you were saying, like the marathon's really popular there. Uh you run Japan running news and it's like hard, I think, sometimes I don't know if our readers really know like how big running and marathoning and a kaiden, I can never say that word right, Iki- are in Japan. Ekiden. Ekiden. Ekiden, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, why is it, why is it such a big deal? How is it such a big deal there? And, you know, how did it grow like that? Uh, that's a, how, how long do you, is this podcast? <laughs> oh, <my> gosh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, I think basically, um, if you look back at history, uh, the first time that Japan competed in the Olympics, uh, in Stockholm in 1912, they had two athletes, um, one of them was a sprinter and the other one was a marathoner. And um, the marathoner in particular, uh, kind of, that was at a period when Japan was not really yet part of the international community. And uh, the, the marathoner saw what the Olympics were and saw that as an opportunity for Japan to kind of emerge as part of the international community and came back to Japan. And he said, we really have to push this movement and we really have to develop our marathoners because this is an area where uh, we can really compete with the best in the world. And so he kind of single-handedly created uh, back in, you know, like ni- in the 1910s, uh, prior to 1920, kind of single-handedly created uh, a marathon development system. And it was probably the first organized attempt to make uh, a marathon-specific development uh, anywhere in the world. Um, and uh, so he really focused on uh, building college runners uh, to uh, focus on the half marathon, approximately half marathon distance, and uh, created this uh, was was involved in creating this event called the Hakone Ekiden, which is a two day road relay. Um, uh, with on the first day, it starts in central Tokyo, 
runs up to the mountains, kind of in the foothills of Mount Fuji. The second day, they run back. It's five stages each way. Each stage is about a half marathon in distance. And, uh, you know, just university teams from the greater Tokyo area compete in that. And uh, it's since it's been going for, all, you know, 100 years or so, a little bit less than 100 editions right now, it's just built up in popularity over time. And uh, this year's race, uh, which on January 2nd and 3rd, um, 65 million people turned in, tuned in and watched it. You know, at some point, at some point during its two days of just college kids running on the roads, you know, for, for six, seven hours uh, per day, 65 million people tuned in and watched it. And that's how big it is. You know, it's just, it's, it's built up over time. Most of the good marathoners, male marathoners that Japan has had have come out of that development system. Not all, um, but uh, certainly um, at this point, that's how uh, Japan is getting its good marathoners. And so they have popularity. The, the sport of marathoning has had popularity because Japan has produced medalists in the past. Um, you know, women's running as well. Um, the the first organized uh, annual women-only marathon was held in Japan, the Tokyo International Women's Marathon. Um, and, uh, you know, that helped produce uh, several Japanese marathon medalists on the women's side, gold medalists. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so just as a, as a spectator sport, it has uh, kind of a long history that uh, has has helped it grow. And then as a participation sport, um, you know, there's always been, running has always kind of been something that, uh, that people do. But um, I think since the dawn of the Tokyo Marathon in 2007, uh, mass participation has really taken off. And uh, it's, it's, it kind of opened uh, the doors to the average person who wasn't really like a serious amateur um, to, to participate the way they do in other countries. And so, yeah, you just kind of have this, uh, I guess, all three levels in a way that doesn't exist in a lot of other countries where you have um, mass participation, you have world-class athletes, and you have distance running as a genuinely popular televised spectator sport. And it's just kind of like the triple crown that doesn't exist anywhere else. And so that's, in a nutshell, kind of the, uh, right. kind of, uh, how running has become so popular. I'm thinking about the getting 65 million people to tune in. Cause obviously in the U S this is a, or in our circles in the U S and endurance sports, this is an ongoing, how do we get people to tune in to marathon, to track, to triathlon? Like we cannot seem to make it a spectator sport. So what should we be learning from this? Well, you need a hundred years. Uh, for one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's uh, it takes time. I mean, uh, the if you ever if you ever watch the the quality of uh, TV broadcasts of Japanese races, it's stellar. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the things I noticed immediately when I moved here, and kind of what got me interested in Japanese running uh, is just that there are races on TV all the time, and the quality of the coverage is really good. Um, the focus is on the racing. Um, I mean, I think like the, the, the TV coverage of uh, uh, triathlons and such is quite good in, in the same way, really focusing on uh, it's, if it's an elite race, it focuses on the elite race. I mean, I think if you look at TV coverage of world marathon majors and most of, of uh, the, you know, what races do get on TV, uh, running races do get on TV, there's a lot more color. Uh, yes. You know, kind of focusing on uh, you know the mass participation runners, the weather, the the neighborhoods and such, and that's all great. That's important, but uh, there's I feel like there's less focus on it as a serious sport. And here, it's very serious. They treat it like a professional sport. They have knowledgeable people. They have past Olympic medalists. Um, people, the announcers, do their homework. They know everything about everybody in the race, and they can tell you exactly what's happening. Um, 
part of the the style of the coverage is derived from the ekidens, those road relays, where um, in the ekidens, uh, the because it's a relay, um, the action is not limited to what's happening at the very front, and mm. that the eventual winner might be coming from further back. And so they have cameras at multiple places, and they're covering different elements of the race and kind of making this like, rather than just a one point race coverage, it's a multifaceted story. And uh, that kind of makes it really gripping. And they take that aesthetic and apply it to the way like a marathon is broadcast, where it's not just the one super fast dude at the front. Uh, they're going to cover, you know, like, where's the top Japanese guy? Let's show him too. You know, what about this person who's having a great race back here? Oh, how about this guy back here who's struggling? And they'll show all those different elements of it and put it together. And it makes for really exciting TV. Hmm. And uh, I I haven't seen that many races uh, that have uh, had that aesthetic uh, in overseas broadcasts. So I think like that's kind of one area. Obviously, there's cost involved in having multiple cameras covering you know multiple aspects of the race. But just as a general aesthetic of the broadcast, like what the intent of the broadcast is, um, I think that's lacking elsewhere. And so like it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, you know, like maybe not enough people watch marathons elsewhere to invest the money in making it or you know, other, other sports, I shouldn't just say marathons since we're talking about triathlete, um, but maybe not enough people watch these uh, events to justify investing the money to make a better broadcast. But if you don't invest the money and make a better broadcast, you don't have a product that's people are going to want to watch. Right. And so to get, if you're producing a higher quality product, people will watch it. You know, it's just because the demand may not be there you shouldn't make that higher quality product. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a chicken and egg argument. No, it's an interesting question because obviously even watching the triathlon coverage, and I've thought about this a lot this over this last week, you mm-hmm. have to explain to people why Flora winning after four Olymp- on our fourth Olympics is like a really big deal. Or you have to, or when it came down to, to Alex G mm-hmm. and Morgan Pearson and Vince Louise in the last leg, you have to explain why it's crazy that like Vince is making that break and that, you know, he needs to get a gap. And, and I, to be able to encapsulate that then makes it more exciting, Right to understand what's going into that. We saw the the Japanese coverage. And so, of course, like the, the Japanese announcers are really good um, and you know, very knowledgeable about everything. And I felt like the quality of the commentary was really excellent. So, um, hmm. yeah, that like maybe, that might be one, uh, one area of, that could be improved. I was about to say, speaking of the actual races, I though... I think the footage was the same. The footage was the same, but then... I think the commentary was different and, you know, what the background information. And then when you guys were out there, the other thing that I think was like hard for us to tell from just from watching was kind of how humid is it? How big was that storm that came through for the women's race? Like we couldn't tell. And maybe you guys have like a better sense of those things, you know, like how hot was it for the men's race? Yeah. Yeah. Men's race day was really hot. Wasn't it, Brett? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a burning hot. So I, I feel really sorry for the guys who's racing after race in that condition. And uh, the women's race, we had a big rain through the night. So since I wrote about this water quality um, article, I was really concerned about the, the water quality. Is there water coming on in or something? But um, the actual rain wasn't that bad. Um, when we woke up in the early morning, it, it's already um, just drizzle. So um, during the end, uh, the the air temperature was pretty cool. Mm. So it's a wet condition, but um, I think uh, it's a good race condition compared to men's race, I would say. Definitely, definitely. 
right. Yeah, it's humid. It's humid actually, but uh, temperature is low, lower. Yeah, I think just for the women's race, the main issue just would have been uh, the the surface being quite slippery. I think um, I don't think the the rain, uh, what rain there was during the race, was much of a factor. Um, it did start raining again very heavily right after the end of it. You know, like just after the end of the race, we went to a cafe, and while we were while we were in there, you know, boom, it came down. So um, the timing was 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 very good. It could have been uh, a very different situation. There there were a few crashes, uh, you know, on on the bike stage. Um, uh, in in the women's race, uh, one of the Japanese athletes was taken out quite early with a with a bike crash. So um, I think that was uh, definitely a factor. Uh, Mika, what did you think about the conditions uh, for the the mixed relay? Since I was at home in the air conditioned uh, comfort, I think it it was better than I mean um, a little more comfortable than a men's race day. Um, even if it's um, the start time is late, late uh, one hour later than the men's race, I think the actual temperature was um, lower than men's race day. And uh, humidity-wise, mm-hmm. probably the same, but um, I think it's a little more comfortable um, for Japanese summer. Right. And now that we're... Now that we're moving into the track stadium, obviously those are going to be pretty hot because it's over the whole course of the day. And Brett, I know you were telling me that the stadium's just, I mean, it's empty. There's just not that many people. You're one of very few people that has a credential to go in there. That's right. Yeah. Do you think empty stadium? I mean, I heard the like there was some talk about the the echoing of the starter gun even in the stadium, and mm-hmm. it's it's just an interesting environment, right? Yeah, it's it is a very strange environment. You know, it's a it's a brand new stadium uh, made just for this Olympics. Uh, I believe the capacity is sixty eight thousand, and um, I would guess uh, the the sessions I've been down so far, uh, there have been under a thousand people there, and that's nobody from the general public. Um, you know, it's uh, um, media, it's uh, pe- athlete uh, support staff, uh, race officials. Um, I'm up in the World Athletics official section. Um, and, uh, you know, here and there, there are other members of national teams cheering for, um, for their, their teammates who are competing. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of empty seats. Um, I, I haven't really noticed, uh, a problem with echoing, um, like the, the sound quality or echoing, uh, as a result of the emptiness. There have been, um, you know, maybe a few more false starts than usual. Uh, there, I'll say there have been a few false starts. I don't know what the reason for that might be, but, uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of a strange environment overall. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is surrounded by that, uh, the, the white wall, you know, the security wall, uh, Mika talked about earlier and that we mentioned in a couple of the articles, you know, this, uh, four meter, you know, 12 foot tall, uh, white wall that surrounds everything. Um, over on one side where the main entrance is, uh, it's uh, mesh fencing rather than a white wall. And, um, I have to kind of go through that area to get in when I go to the stadium. And, you know, there are a few people kind of standing forlornly um, outside the fencing, you know, like their hands on it, looking in, um, trying to get a glimpse of something that's happening. But uh, it's it's the streets are emptier in that area than you might expect um, around you know, a major Olympic venue while, you know, one of the flagship events is happening. Um, so the whole thing is kind of kind of just strange. I think. But uh, so far, you know, the athletes have been performing. There have been some really good times, really good performances. Um 
one of the very first events, uh, the, the men's 3000 meter steeplechase in the first heat, a uh, 19 year old uh, Japanese runner broke the national record by six seconds and made the final. Um, so that was, you know, the home crowd was very happy in that regard, but uh, just not having people in the stadium there to see it and kind of give it the, the, the real atmosphere you'd expect for an Olympics is very strange for sure. There's definitely a kind of a sense overall that this is a very weird Olympics that, it, I mean, there's obvious people been joking. It's like a cursed Olympics. You know, you get a typhoon, you get a marauding bear, you get like, it's just one thing. I've, what's <laughs> been the weirdest thing that you guys have seen so far in the games? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Everything is so weird, really. Um, <laughs> If you go to the, the National Stadium area, this is the heart of the, the Olympic venue. And uh, you see the station is called National Stadium Station. And the, most of the exits are closed because it's within the area, the bubble area. And uh, the, the other closest station um, made it... Um, um, the huge construction over years to make it better for the, the bigger capacity and bigger and nobody is using it. it it's so weird and uh, yeah what else <laughs> you heard about the bear thing yeah that made that made international news yeah the bear in Sapporo yeah yeah <laughs> I guess better then than during the, the uh, Olympic marathon. But, uh, <laughs> right. I don't know. I'm, I'm still struggling. Like everything, like Mika said, everything is so strange. Um, you know, like uh, this, I guess this is the first time I've lived in an Olympic host city while the Olympics are happening. You know, the first time we've lived like walking distance from an Olympic stadium um, when things are happening. And uh, it's definitely not what I imagined. Um, or like not what you see if you go to other Olympics and, and kind of the general, I don't know, party atmosphere or the general kind of uh, like energy in the city. Um, you know, you can go two or three blocks away from uh, from the Olympic Stadium and you would never know anything's happening. Um, you know, like our neighborhood is walking distance from the stadium and the only indication at all that anything is going on is uh, there are a few banners hanging from light posts, you know, outside our apartment. And I can see one down there right now. That's it. You know, if those weren't there, you would have no idea the Tokyo Olympics are happening. And you know, part of that is a product hmm. of Tokyo being, you know, a very, very big city and um, you know, things being fairly compartmentalized. Um, you know, just like the density, each neighborhood is is almost like a, a different town in a way. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just kind of strange. And uh, we, uh, I think Mika said she was talking to, uh, she was interviewing some people down around the stadium yesterday. And uh, one person, uh, or I'm not sure if it was actually somebody uh, Mika interviewed, but kind of said it's maybe it was what Mika said. Uh, the uh, it's kind of strange how, on the one hand, you're looking at the medal counts um, in Japan. Uh, you know, the medal count has been really good. You know, the the, the gold medal count has been breaking new records, and kind of simultaneously with that, the COVID infection numbers in Tokyo are kind of taking off and hitting record levels. And so you know, you're watching. This is great. You know, there's all this exciting gold medal action. This is like not so great that there's there's not very exciting COVID action happening at the same time. And you know, kind of like the energy between those two different things is is very strange to be you know living through on the ground here. Yeah, during the Olympic mm -hmm. broadcasting on TV, and uh, okay, that was a great gold medal play, and uh, 
uh, here's the news, uh, COVID number is now um, such and such. It's, it's, uh, it's just um, nobody yeah. knows how to take it. <laughs> Yeah, how are you supposed to feel right, about that, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So I guess more, more than any one specific uh, incident, yeah, just the whole thing is so strange for me. Uh, one thing it's very unique about this Olympics, it's, um, it's 2021 now, but nobody really feels <laughs> the strangeness about calling it the Tokyo 2020. And also there are lots of banners and you know signs about um, Tokyo 2020. And they all look old, you know. It there for a year because of a postponement. So it's kind of um, um, faded, a worn-out signs are still there. So it's huh. it's it's very strange. So they didn't update the signs. No, for they some just reason. left it. <laughs> hmm. All right. And yeah, then on the other hand, though, what has been your? Sorry, go ahead. Is it? Well, I was just going to say, on the other hand, what's been your uh, your favorite thing so far? What's been like the best thing, the coolest thing out of everything you guys have seen? For me, um, Olympic triathlon in our town happening. And I could see it at least just some part. It's the coolest thing for me. And uh, it was great to see. Um, even though their placement wasn't that great, but uh, I think uh, Japanese athletes did really well. And I'm I'm happy to witness it. Yeah, um, I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, I think uh, the, the the coolest uh, experience so far was was going down to the two uh, the, the men's triathlon and the women's triathlon and seeing how many people were there. And uh, you know, when we talked to some of them, not everybody was you know like an amateur triathlete or a real diehard sports fan. Some of them were just people who really wanted to see the Olympics and uh, you know came down to watch it. And thought triathlon was really cool. Um, you know, didn't know anything about the sport. Just came down because that was the only choice. But really liked what they saw. I thought that was really cool to see. Um, in terms, in terms of individual performances so far, um, the 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 three thousand meter steeplechase performance I mentioned earlier uh, was really really exciting. You know, that was right at the very beginning of the first day of track and field, and I was in the stadium, and like, I can't remember the last time I actually got goosebumps watching somebody run. But uh, there was just like electricity watching this kid run and, you know, break, totally smashing the national record. You know, he was head, head to head with the, uh, the defending silver, world championship silver medalist in his like the first time running against non-Japanese competition at, at that level. Um, so that was incredibly exciting to watch. Um, there was a judo match that, uh, that I watched that was, uh, I think, one of the greatest sports competitions I've ever seen. Uh, you know, judo... <laughs> Uh, is at the Olympic level is four minutes. And then if the score is tied, it goes into kind of uh, sudden death mode. And as soon as somebody scores a point, then it's over. And so four minutes plus however long it takes. And there was one match between two, uh, two women, um, a Japanese woman and a Russian woman that uh, went on for 16 minutes and 41 seconds. And, uh, like I think, as uh, as endurance athletes, you know, it's like we all do endurance sports. Like you, you got you got to raise a toast to them tonight. Like sixteen, almost seventeen minutes nonstop of judo. They were dead on their feet at the end. It was brutal to watch and just uh, amazing from an endurance standpoint. Huh. So I think that's been one of the highlights of this Olympics for me, definitely. That's interesting. Yeah. 
There, uh, it is uh, one of the things about the Olympics. I feel like you end up watching. Like one of the best things I watched was this like fencing foil match when then the girl, the Ooh. first U.S. gold medalist in foil, but one of her early matches where she almost lost and then came back. And you just end up watching these events that you never ever. It's like the people who show up for triathlon and have never seen it before, and mm-hmm. now they're yeah. excited. Yeah. It's a, it's a great thing about Olympics. You get to see the sports that you've never really seen before, or and you have some knowledge about the sports. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's kind of one of the, one of the things that we're lucky with. Uh, you know, living in the era that we do is uh, we're not limited to just seeing what the you know the, the major broadcasters are showing. You know, like a lot more of the uh, events are shown online, and so you can kind of pick and choose and. If there's nothing that you're super uh, into on, you know, you can just pick some uh, random minor sport. I don't mean to say it in a disrespectful way at all, but, uh, you know, like, uh, I think I watched a handball match for the first time in my life, and that was super interesting to try to understand what was going on. Uh, and, Mika, what was the one we watched where we're like, what exactly? Is it, oh, was it field hockey? No, field I think I've watched field yeah. hockey before, but we, was it? Or was it the handball match? There was something going on where they were... It was like a penalty shot, but the opposing team were all inside the net. And uh, then when they blew the whistle, they all had to charge out of the net towards okay. the person taking the shot. And we're like, that's, that's crazy. It's so interesting. But yeah, just watching these kinds of sports you would never normally watch and being like, what's going on here? And then like 10 minutes later, you feel like, aha, I'm, I'm the right. expert on this sport here. Yes, right. this is what they should be doing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. It's really interesting to uh, it's really interesting to see those kinds of things. For sure. Um, well, thank you guys so much for, for chatting with us and giving us kind of like the on the ground scoop. Uh, we've been joking. We've been calling it the man in Japan here on our staff. So, well, I defer to Mika. She's the uh, she's the brains of the operation. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, thank you for chatting with us. And hopefully nothing else too crazy or weird yeah. happens to you guys for the rest of the Olympics. So, yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Thanks to Sid, Brett, and Mika. Next week, we'll be back to regular interviews with athletes, and we'll be looking forward to the Paralympics. Keep training and keep listening.